Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to have more fun than anybody should have on a Sunday in June today, May. We're talking about faith. And today we're going to talk about rewards. Living to be rewarded. I am living to be rewarded. And I'm not talking about in heaven either. I'm living to be rewarded on this earth. This, what we're going to talk about today bothers religious people. I'm getting good at it. I'm going to talk about faith today. Hebrews chapter 11 is the great passage in the Bible about faith. It, this is where we find out that it's all about faith. By faith, Abraham did what he did. By faith, now I'm just quoting the verses. By faith, Noah. By faith, Moses. By faith, Sarah. Everything, everything he does, he does by faith. We went over that Sunday week ago. All right, the key verse in this passage, the, the foundational verse is verse six, which says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who wants anything to do with God comes to God. You have to do two things. Number one, must believe that he is. Let's stop right there. Have we got that one covered? How many of you believe there's a God? How many of you believe he's the father of the Lord Jesus? All right, so we got number one covered. It's number two we struggle with. And it says two things. Number one, he is a, he, he, he is, and what's number two? He is a what? He's a rewarder. Tell me, what you, tell me what you know about the living God. He's a rewarder. Tell me what rewarders do. Somebody tell me. Thank you. They reward people. Rewarders reward people. Now listen to me carefully. You don't get a reward for free, do you? It'd be called a gift then. There's a difference between a gift and a reward. You have to do something to get a reward. God rewards people. Matter of fact, listen to me. He is looking for somebody to reward he lives looking for people to reward. The Bible said the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth. I love 2 Samuel 9, 3. Listen to what he asks. Is there anybody that I can show the kindness of God to? Is there somebody out there I can be good to? I'm looking for somebody to be good to. I'm looking for somebody to reward. That's what it means. He's a rewarder of people. All right, now I'm gonna give you the deal. Here's the deal. Listen, you're fixing to learn something here. Here's the deal. Three things are free. Everything else is a reward. Three things he give you or he'll give you are free. Everything else you get in life is a reward. You have to do something to get it. All right, here's the three things that are free. His love is free. You don't have to do anything during his love. Some of you as children, you have to earn your father's love, not his. He loves you no matter, you, he will never love you more than he does right now. His love is free. What's the second thing that's free in the Bible? Eternal life. Heaven is a free gift. I've already quoted it. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're going to live forever in heaven. That's a free gift. You can't earn it. What's the third thing the Bible says is free? He gives everybody food. His love, heaven, and food are free. You don't have to do anything to get that. Those are the three things he'll give you. Matthew 5, he makes his son and rain on the just, the unjust. Romans chapter 12. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. So you can have the love of God. He will love you. You can go to heaven and you can have food while you're on this planet. Those are all free. Everything else is on the reward system. Does this sound strange to y'all? Let's learn about what faith is. Faith learns, faith lives to be rewarded. Faith understands that he rewards people. All right, let me, uh, I'm, I'm gonna paint a picture and this will help you. <clears throat> Please listen to me. The God of religion is looking to get somebody. He's the wizard of Oz. The God of this Bible is looking to reward somebody. He's looking for somebody to be good to. 
Let me explain to you how this reward system works. I have a friend, I met him 30 some years ago. He came to my church, he's a young man. Uh, well, he's, he's two or three years older than me. We were both young back then. And uh, he worked in a furniture company, plant, worked in a furniture plant, he made furniture. He had a wife and he had a little baby girl and he loved his wife dearly and he was just a great guy. He loved God, we became buddies and he decided he wanted to do a little something else. So in his garage, he began to put together frames for couch. You understand if you've got an upholstered couch, there's a wooden frame down in there. Y'all know that, All right? He began to put together frames in his garage and then he would sit, put them on his truck, pickup truck, go sell these frames to furniture companies. And uh, he, you know, he just wanted to do his own thing. Well, it grew. Pretty soon he had somebody help him. Pretty soon he went somewhere else. Last time I saw him, he died dead suddenly as a young man. Last time I saw him, I went, he called, went to plant. We had lunch together and went to his plant. We toured his plant. He had over 200 people working in his plant. God blessed his business tremendously. It became a huge furniture company over in Thomasville. And uh, just God bless, and he blessed people. He was a great guy. He used his money to bless people with. We go back, we sat down in his office. We're talking. His daughter's a teenager now. He said, let me tell you what I want to do. Let me tell you what I'd love to see someday. I said, what? He said, I, and this is his only child. He had a daughter. He said, if she wants to, he said, I would love to see her own this place one day. He said, I'd love to give her this place and see her run it one day. And just, she can just have it. He said, but, I mean, you know what the but means. He said, but, I'm not just going to give it to her. She's going to have to start at the bottom. And if she shows me she's responsible and she can handle it, I'd love to give her this whole thing one day. But if she can't handle it and she's going to trash it, I'll sell it to somebody else. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I just said right there? That man, want, his dream is for his daughter to get everything he's got. His dream is to give her something very big. And it was a multi-million dollar business. He wanted to give it to her, but he could not hand it to her if she couldn't handle it. Would you call that a reward? And here's what happened. He started her out. You know, you know, the boss's kids. He started her out sweeping. And she did so well all the way up. She's a smart youngin'. She did so well. And as I said, he died suddenly younger, as a younger man. And she owns that company now. And she has taken it way beyond what he did. It's one of the top furniture companies that exist today. He gave it to her. But listen to me. It was a reward for her obedience and her excellence. Our God rewards people. I'm going to say it again. His love, salvation, and food, be his enemy. He'll give you that. But you've got to earn everything else. Oh, excuse me. I didn't, I didn't mean to use the word earn. It's a reward for obedience. I don't want you to see this in scripture. How many of you want some things in life? Yep. How many of you'd like to be able to pay your bills? Yep. How many of you'd like a nice home? Yep. How many of you'd like for your kids to get along? How many of you like for your marriage to be great? How many of you like to be healthy? In other words, how many of you like the good stuff? Where are you going to get it from? Turn with me to Psalm 75. I want us to change the way we think about everything in life according to this word. Psalm 75 is one of those, uh, this gets God out of the church house and gets him into everything we do, which is where he belongs. Guess who created marriage? The justice of the peace didn't create marriage. Guess who created children? I know sometimes you think the devil did by the way they act. No, he didn't create them. He just got into them that day. Who created wealth? Who created the economic system? Everything exists because of him. James 1, 17, listen to this. Every good gift 
comes from the father of lights. If it's good on this planet, it came from him. He created romance. Y'all didn't know that. Let me make an announcement. If it weren't for romance, a lot of you wouldn't even be here. Look at me in Psalm 75, verse six. Exaltation comes neither from the east, the west, nor the south. God is the judge. He puts down one. He exalts another. Now, listen, you got to get this. I want a great marriage. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want great relationships. I want to help people. I want a beautiful home. I want my kids to love me. I want the stuff. Guess where I'm going to get it from? I'm not looking to the east, the west, or the south. I'm looking to God for it. He's the one that exalts. He's the one that promotes. He's the one that gives great things. And uh, the Bible is very clear that he gives it. Now listen, what's happened in this land. We run to him when we get sick and pray. But when we need money, we run to the bank. We look to ourselves. When we, you know, when we need for our marriages to be better, we go see counselors, nothing wrong with that. Listen to me, start looking to the creator for every single thing. Let him make it. If I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it from him. It may be through people, but God's going to give me everything I've got. I'm not looking to the east, the west, and the south. I'm looking to him. Now, I want you to look at the system and how this thing works. I want you to turn with me. I want you to turn with me to Matthew 25. This is that passage where he explains why he gives certain people things. Would you agree with me that certain people have just been blessed beyond measure and others have not? That's not hard. Look around. How come? There's a how come behind it. I want to know the how come so I can get in the blessing line. I want to know how come so I can get there. Now, um, this is not political. I'm not political today. But in the scriptures, uh, it teaches very clearly the living God is an investment capitalist. He don't do communism. That's not political. That's biblical. All through the Bible, you don't see him doing communism. He is an investment capitalist. And you're fixing to see that here. This is Matthew 25, where he explains how he deals with people. Matthew 25, let's look in verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is like, just stop right there. Two things in the Bible mean the same thing. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God has nothing to do with heaven. How God works in the earth. The kingdom of heaven is God working in the earth. And he's fixing to tell you how he works in the earth with people. The kingdom of God is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his servants, delivered his goods to them. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two talents. To another, one talent. All right, now talent doesn't mean like you can play the piano. It's a sum of money. And that day, a talent was about $15,000. So he calls people to him and he says, I'm gonna give you 15,000. I'm gonna give you 30,000. I'm gonna give you 75,000. And so it's not fair. He is God Almighty. He don't care. I'm sorry. You don't even get to vote on what he does. I'm telling you, he's not communist. He's an investment capitalist. All right. Now he gave all of his servants something. Everybody listen to me carefully. God has given every person in this room something. Everybody in here has been given. Now listen, we haven't all been given the same thing or equal amounts. Got it? Five, two, one. He gives different amounts to different people. The amount he gave you is not the issue. What's the issue? What do you do with what he gives you? All right, he expects you to do something with what he's given you. I ask you a question, what have you done with what he gave you? Now watch, this is the reward system. Let's read uh, verse 20. 
He who received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. What did the guy do? What did the guy do? He took what he'd been given and he managed it well. Can you see that? He managed it well. He managed it with excellence and he did something with what he'd been given. What happens to people who manage well what God has given them? Let's read the next verse. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful. Stop right there. See that word faithful? What's the root of the word faithful? Faith. Dear ones, faith is faithful. Let's read this. You were faithful over what? Little things or a few things. I, I circled the word I with red ink. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What did he say? You took what I gave you and the little things. You managed the little things so well, I'm going to promote you and give you big things because of the way you handle little things. Got it? You know how you get the big stuff? Quit wishing for the big stuff. Manage what you got right now well. Because you've been faithful in some little things or a few things, I'll make you rule over the big thing. Who makes people rule over the big things? Who gives great families? Because you've handled things well. Now, what, what do we handle well to get big stuff? Little stuff. Little stuff determines whether you get the big stuff or not. All right, we won't go on to read it, but the guy who'd been given two made two. And then there's a guy who's given one talent, 15,000. You know what he did with his? Nothing. He, he didn't get drunk. He didn't raise hell. He didn't chase women. He just didn't do anything with what God had given him. And he got in trouble for it. Everybody in this room has been given something by him. How are you handling what he's given you? I don't want you to see two words. Turn with me to, and there's one more on this. Turn with me to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. I want you to see this is the same situation. There is, I'm telling you, our father is an investment capitalist. He gives people things and he expects them to do something with it. And he expects a return on what he gave you so he can reward you greatly. And you're fixing to see this. There's another picture here. Luke chapter 16, verse one. There was a certain rich man who had a steward. Just stop right there. Who's the rich man? Take a wild guess. He's the living God. What is a, does anybody know what a steward is? A steward is somebody who's not the owner. They're just managing somebody else's stuff. Do you and I own anything? No. You got to get this right. I don't own anything. Now, I, I have a home I live in. He's blessed us with. I got junk and stuff. But listen to what the Bible says. The living God is the owner of everything. We are stewards. He gave me that home as a stewardship. He gave me my marriage as a steward. You know what a steward is? He manages things for somebody else. My, my marriage is a stewardship from God. My children, I am to steward that for him. This church he's given me, I manage it for him as a stewardship. Uh, some people think they own stuff. You know what he said to people think they own stuff? Look it up sometime. Luke chapter 18, the guy said, I have really got a lot of stuff. And God said to him, you fool. Tonight your soul will be required of you and then who's going to get your stuff? We got to get this mindset. If you're a follower of Jesus, he owns it all. He just gives it to us to manage. You with me? All right, watch what he does to people who are good stewards. <clears throat> verse, let's cut to verse 10. <clears throat> By the way, oh, but I'm sorry, back up here. This, he, was, he had a steward and this steward was dishonest. He did not handle things well, so he fired him from the stewardship. And then he said, here's why I fired you from the stewardship. Verse 10, he who is faithful in what is little 
is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Do you understand that? This is a kingdom principle. If you won't be faithful with $5, you won't be faithful with $5 million. But if you'll, if you'll, <clears throat> if you'll be at your workstation and you'll do your work faithfully and not be on Facebook when your boss is paying you to work, God can promote you to handle things. He who is faithful in the little things becomes the ruler over the big things. All right, the key verse is verse 11. Watch this. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the little things, unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the, what's the next two word? True riches. Everybody in this room wants true riches. Now, when you think of riches, what do you think of? Money, cash. There's true riches is stuff money can't buy. There's some things me and you want that money can't buy. Those are the true riches. All right, we're going to talk about two things. <clears throat> we're going to talk about the little things that get me the big things, and then we're going to talk about true riches. All right, listen, let me, let me just say this. I know this, this bothers people, but I'm going to say it. You write your own ticket with the God of heaven. You write your own ticket by the way you handle the little things. Handle the little things well, he will open the windows of heaven over you. Screw up in the little things and you can go to heaven, but that's about it. All right, the little things in the Bible. I'll mention five things that the Bible calls little things. That if we will manage with excellence these little things, he gives you the big stuff. Number one, character. You ever heard of character? Have you ever heard of character? I mean, you know what character is. It's what you do when nobody's looking. It's the way you are because you don't have to be that way. All right, character is gone in this nation. It's not gone with him. He still believes in it. My character determines what he does with me. Let me mention several things about character. Number one, integrity. I'm going to walk in integrity for the right reason, not because you're looking. And we got to get back to integrity in this land. Right, let me tell you, what, listen to what the Bible said. If you're faithful in the little things, I'll give you big stuff. But if you can't handle little things in matters of integrity, I can't give you the big stuff. Listen to me. He's not mad. He's not mad. He's looking for somebody to be good to. And he tests us in matter of integrity. Let me give you a picture of this. <clears throat> Joe Brown's a pastor friend of mine. Pastored my church when I was young. And he said, I had a businessman in Charlotte, big businessman. Charlotte is the banking hub of the Southeast. And this businessman wanted to hire a vice president for his company. They found a guy. He, he was great on paper, well-educated, looked like the perfect guy. Flew him to Charlotte. He met with him that morning. And he said, you're the guy I want for the job. He said, I can't offer it to you till the board votes this afternoon, but they'll, as soon as they vote, I want you. He said, let's go to lunch. He took him to lunch. God is my witness, took him to lunch. They went to a cafeteria, which I don't understand. Went to a cafeteria and the guy was in front of him. The, the business owner's here, the guy's in front. He's pushing his tray. You ever been like in a K&W or something and they have these pats of butter and they put them on a little white card, a little white paper over them. This guy took two pats of butter, laid them on his tray, then took his napkin, covered them up. He wasn't even paying. The boss man was paying. And the boss man didn't say anything, went through it. They ate lunch, got done. Drove him back, he got done. He drove him back to his hotel. He said, pack your stuff up and fly home. I don't want you. Guy said, why? He said, I saw you steal four cents of butter to K&W. He said, really? He said, listen to me, son. If you'll steal four cents from the K&W, you'll steal a million dollars from my company if I hire you. If you're unjust in the little things, who can give you the big things? 
You say, well, nobody saw it. Listen, look right here. Look right here. Somebody sees everything I do. Now, it's not that I don't want to mess up. Listen to me. It's not that I don't want to mess up. I want to be excellent in everything I do. Excellence brings promotion in the kingdom. Faithful in the little things brings you promotion to the big things. All right, uh, integrity. How about gratitude? Anybody heard of, ever heard of gratitude? Apparently, if in the Bible, my father's favorite thing is gratitude. Tell me what his least favorite thing is. Do I know? Complaining. Complaining. I'm telling you, complaining will get you in trouble in the kingdom. Why do you think it says in 1 Corinthians 10, they complained and were bitten by serpents? Connect the dots, folks. You want demons in your life? Whine. There it is. My father loves... All right, let me ask you a question. I have two questions to everybody in here. Does anybody in here have anything to be thankful for? Yes. At, any, at any time. All right, now be honest. Don't be religious with me. I know it's Sunday, but knock it off. Does anybody in this room see anything in this land you could complain about? Don't be, don't be spiritual. There's plenty to complain about in this land. You don't complain because things are bad. You complain because you're a complainer. You don't live thankful because everything's good. You live thankful because you are a grateful person. Are we having fun today or what? I want him to bless me with the big stuff and I'm whining about what I got. Nobody else enjoying this but me this morning, but we're going to keep on. There one's, well, the thing I'm working on right now is my gratitude attitude. I want to be grateful before the living God. You say, what? That's not that big a deal. Now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. He who is faithful in the little things, I will make you ruler over the big stuff. I'm watching how you handle little things. That wasn't no fun. Let me try another. How about the tongue? Why'd God give you that tongue? Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth that discourages, but only that which is good to build people up. I've had women. I got a woman one time. She was mad at me because I wouldn't let her, let her have a men, women's ministry in our church. I said, every time I get around, you're criticizing your husband. If you can't handle your marriage, I'm not going to put you in charge of women. I am preaching better than you amen in this morning. <laughs> Listen to me. If you won't walk in integrity before him in the little things, why should he bless you with the big stuff? Now, listen, listen. His love, heaven, food. Good luck. I want more than that. That wasn't no fun. Can you control your emotions? This Bible expressly forbids you to act out of your emotions. When we act out of our emotions, we do dumb things. Listen to what the Bible says about emotions. Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. You want to hear it in the Southern Alamance version? When you get angry, keep your mouth shut. All sin comes from the tongue when we're angry. And what does it mean, do not let the sun go down on your anger? Get over it. Get over it. It's okay. Nobody can help feeling angry. Keep your mouth shut and get over it. God, I love this kind of stuff. Listen, you, you want God to, you're praying for God to bless your children and you can't stop screaming. We, are we having fun this morning or what? Was, listen, let's go for integrity in everything. <clears throat> let's have some more fun. 
All right, number, I'm gonna, let's go to number two. Number one wasn't much fun, was it? That uh, integrity, that, I mean that um, character. That character thing wasn't much fun. Listen to me, character matters to him. Character did, matter of fact, in this nation, we take pride in not having character. We take pride in stealing things and lying. We take pride in snooking our bosses. He takes pride in character. We're supposed to be different. Followers of Jesus are supposed to be different. Not perfect, different. Number two, let's have some real fun here. How about your employment? Does anybody here have a job? All right, turn with me to Colossians chapter three. Let's settle this employment issue. He deals with you the way you do, you handle your employment. Did you know that? I'm fixing to show it to you. If I were to ask you, Colossians chapter three, let me talk about our jobs, Colossians three. If I were to ask you, who do you work for? And you said, LabCorp, I would say, no, you don't. You work at LabCorp. You don't work for LabCorp or wherever you work. Let's read it. Colossians chapter three, verse 22. The first word says this, bond servants. Amen, they treat me like a slave down there. Knock it off. They would go refer back to the whining thing. What's the difference between a bond servant and a slave? A slave is forced to work for somebody. A bond servant has to go to somebody and ask to work for them. You understand that? What do we call it when you go to somebody and ask them if you can work for them? What do we call that? Employment. If you ask for somebody to work for them, you're considered an employee. So this is talking to employees. Bond servants are employees. Employees, verse 22, obey in all things your masters, your bosses, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, respecting God, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the what? Is the word reward? Well, we're talking about this morning, the reward of the inheritance because you serve the Lord Christ. Tell me according to that last verse, who do you work for? You work for Jesus. You might work at LabCorp, you might work at a public school, you might work at a CPA firm, but you work for Jesus. What do he tell you about your employment? You don't work for that boss, you work for Jesus. And you do your work, what's the word heartily mean? It comes from two Greek words, in theos. That means in God, and we get our, what English word do we get from the two Greek words in theos? Come on, enthusiasm. You do your job enthusiastically. You get to work early. You be the best employee they got. You don't just, what does it mean not with our services, men pleasers? You don't just jump up when the boss is coming. I told the other sisters, bless God, I got people working here don't have enough sense to stand up when I walk around. Stand to the phone, up, man's up. At least stand up when I come around. God have mercy. <laughs> don't you understand? You're not working for LabCorp. You're working for Jesus. And what does he say? I'm watching how you do your job. Do you give an honest day? Are you on Facebook when you're supposed to be counting numbers? Do a good, be excellent at your work. What does it say? And from the Lord, you will what? Receive the, God raises people up who walk in integrity. You say, well, my dumb company don't realize how smart I am. Refer back to the whining again. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to what this book teaches right here. Even if your company doesn't appreciate you and you can't get promoted, you do a great job for them and you serve that company and you try to help that company, he will cause somebody to meet you at the McDonald's and they will steal you away and they will promote you. 
Listen, promotion doesn't come from the east, the west, the south, my boss, the board. My promotion comes from God. God is looking for somebody to bless if he can find somebody to walk in excellence. Do your job as unto the Lord and do it with excellence. Go the extra mile. Don't, don't, listen, the clock is going to be there. Quit staring at it. Are we having fun today or what? Number three, that didn't go over so well. Let's try one more. Number three, stewardship. You are a steward. We're going to really have some fun here. Do you realize you're a steward? Everything you got, I'm going to quote James 1:17 again. Everything you got, he gave you. Every good gift comes from the father of lights. All right, I'm a steward of everything God gave me and he's watching how I manage everything he's given me. Let me give you an example of how stewardship works. The guy came, a guy came to see me one time. He was working in a ministry and they didn't appreciate him. And he was whining and he was moaning and they weren't doing what he thought they should have done. He was not the senior man. He was the, the number two man. And he was whining. He said, what do you think I ought to do? And I said to him, go wash your car. He said, what's that got to do anything? I said, go wash your car. I said, your car looks like a piece of crap. I said, it's filthy. It hadn't been washed in months. He said, I don't see how washing my car has got anything to do with my job. I said, then you don't know the truth. I said, quit whining about your boss. Go clean your car up. And then I quoted to him, Proverbs 24, 30. I went by the house of a lazy man. His grass had not been mowed. His house was in disrepair and his stone wall was broken down and he didn't bother to fix it. I said, listen to me. You start walking in integrity and you take care of the things God gave you and steward them well, including your car, and God will take care of you at your work. Yeah, am I making this up? You want him to promote you? You can't even mow the grass. There one, I had a lady come to me one time. She wanted to raise the dead. I said, lady, last time I was in your house, there was dirty dishes in the sink. You want to take authority over the dead? You can't even take authority over a sink full of dirty dishes. Go and wash the dishes, lady. We'll raise the dead later. Are you with me? I'm glad one of us is having fun this morning. Don't, don't you understand? Have, you, have y'all not seen it yet? He who is faithful in the little things I give you, I will make you ruler over the big stuff. But if you haven't been faithful in the little things, I can't make you, I can't give you the true riches. Listen, learn this, learn this. You don't have to force and finagle and call somebody and make, honor God with what you've got. He will put you there. He'll bless you. He'll raise you up. Um, uh, Every possession we've got. Now I'm fixing to really get killed right here. So be it. I believe we should take care. Our bodies are one of the greatest gifts God ever gave us. I didn't think I'd get amen out of that because you know where we're going. One of the best times I ever had, I preached at a Mary Kay con- makeup convention one time. I was the speaker at a Mary Kay makeup convention. It was at the Grandover Resort, which is the fanciest place in our area. 1,000 Mary Kay makeup sales ladies. I have never had more fun in my life. You, you, you hadn't seen competition till you get 1,000 makeup sales ladies in the same building. This was not a coat and tie affair. This was a tuxedo evening gown affair. And, uh, you know, a lot of old preachers, used to, they used to preach about the sin of wearing makeup. I don't know if you knew that. A lot of Pentecostals now still don't allow it. They get it from First Kings, Jezebel, painted her eyes, yada, yada. They preach about the sin of not, that night I preached on the sin of not wearing makeup. <laughs> we had the best time. I preached, there is power in the paint. Put it on, sister. <laughs> Let's get the show on the road here. 
And I said, even my barn looks better when you paint it up a little bit. What has happened in this nation that we go to the grocery store looking like we just got out of bed? Google people I saw at Walmart sometimes, see what happened to you. Now, I'm not talking about, we don't need to go back to coat and tie days, but I'm telling you something. This mess of running around looking homeless. We done throwed the baby out with the bathwater and the bathrobe and the hat and everything else. You know, can I just, well, y'all, can I just, all right, I'm gonna get away from the pulpit. Can I just say something here? You know, it pisses me off. I mean, it chafes me when I get around my Baptist preacher friends and they start nailing people for drinking beer while they're playing golf. And they weigh 350 pounds. I ain't hearing it. The same Bible that said, do not be drunk with wine said, if you're a man given to appetite, put a knife to your throat. One of my favorite verses. It doesn't mean cut you. It means get some control over your life. He said, I'm wishing I hadn't come this morning. No, you'll be glad when I get done. Everybody in here wants the big stuff. It's what we're praying for and begging for. If you want the big stuff, manage the little stuff well. Walk in integrity with the little stuff. All right, we didn't have no fun at all there. Let's, let's, let's get off that. I'm, let's get off that. Let's have some more fun. You want God to answer your prayers, get under authority. Get under authority if you want your prayers answered. We're a nation of rebels. We hate the police. We defy the police and law enforcement. Kids don't want to listen to their parents. Parents cuss and fuss about their boss man. We're a nation of rebels who refuse to honor God-ordained authority and wonder why our prayers are not getting answered. Demons, until you will honor your boss with a good attitude, your prayers are not going to be answered. So you honor your pastor who is your God-ordained authority and quit fussing with him, your prayers are not going to be answered. All right, turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, when a father comes to me and says, my kids won't listen to me. You know what that tells me? You don't listen to God. Luke chapter 7. I don't know if you knew this or not. There are only two people in the Bible, only twice in the Bible did Jesus say somebody had great faith. His own disciples, he said, have no faith at times. Two people in the Bible had great faith and neither one of them were followers of God. And this is one of those places. Matter of fact, this is the, Jesus said, this is the greatest faith I've ever seen in the Bible. Jesus said, I've never found this kind of great faith. So when I see a man that Jesus Christ said, this is the greatest faith I've ever seen, I want to know what the guy did. All right, this guy's a centurion. You know what a centurion is? Uh, He's a commander in the Roman army. It would be the rank of a major in our American army now. A major commands about a thousand men. A centurion was a man over a thousand men. And that's very important to learn about faith here. So uh, the guy has a servant. He's a commander in the army, has a servant, and he's sick. He sends some people to Jesus, says, that Jesus guy that can heal people. He, didn't even, he wasn't even a follower. He said, go get that Jesus guy because he can heal people and ask him to come here and heal my servant. Got it? So he's asking Jesus to come heal his servant. All right, they go get him and Jesus said, I'll come. But halfway there, he sends somebody else and says, no, 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 tell him, tell him, tell him, don't come to my house. I'm not worthy of him to come to my house. Tell him if he'll just say my servant's healed, my servant will be healed. All right, you got what he did? Let's pick it up and see what happens here. This is Luke chapter seven. Uh, Excuse me. Yeah, Luke chapter, 
7. It's wherever that's at. Does it matter with Luke chapter 7? There it is right there. All right. Uh, let's put it in verse 6. Jesus went with them. When he was already not far from the man's house, the centurion sent friends saying, Lord, don't, don't bother yourself. I'm not worthy for you to enter my house. That's why I didn't come. I'm not worthy to be in front of you. You just say the word, my servant will be healed. How did he know that? How did this man know if Jesus just said heal, his servant would be healed? It's in the next verse. Because, because I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And when I say to one go, he does it. And when I tell another to come here, he comes. And when I tell my servant to do this, he does it. Now that may not make sense to you, but look what it did to Jesus. The Bible said, verse nine, Jesus heard these things, he marveled. Time out. When you make God marvel, you've done something. This surprised God. And he turned to the crowd and he said, I've not found such great faith, not even among my own people. So this tells you this man showed Jesus more faith than anybody ever. And uh, then those who were sent returned and found the servant well who'd been sick. Right, we got to learn this right here. What is it about this authority thing? You understand what the man said? He said, I've got people that are under, under my authority. He had a thousand soldiers that he was ruler of and he had his own household. And you know what he said? When I tell my guys to do something, they do it. When I tell my kids to do something, they listen to me. When I tell my servants to do something, they listen to me. You say, how does that man get them people to listen to him? Read the verse. What did he say first? I am a man under authority. He said, the reason people listen to me is because I listen to the people over me. Because I am under authority, those under my authority listen to me. You know what he's saying to Jesus? I know you are under your father's authority and everything under you has to listen to you, including sickness. And he said, because you have honored God and you've submitted to God, when you say sickness go, sickness has to go. Let's learn something right here. Folks, you want your kids to honor you? Honor the authority over you. I am a man under authority and those under my authority listen to me. You say, how do you get your kids to listen to you? You listen to God. He will cause your kids to listen to you. Listen, you respect your boss and you are, every place you go, there's God ordained authority. In this nation, we hate authority. We want to beat a big dog. God has put authority everywhere there is and he's watching how we handle it. When I go into Piggly Wiggly grocery store in Siler City and I'm standing in a produce department as a 21 year old produce manager there, I say yes, sir, to him. He, he is God ordained authority in that produce section. Now, if he's in my church, I'm an authority over him. But when I'm standing there in front of the okra, I'm not going to be critical. I'm not going to tell him you should. I'm not going to be, I'm going to honor him because that man's in God ordained authority. He says, is it that big a deal? Ask me if my kids listen to me. Just when I'm on the road in front of my house and I'm riding on county roads, that, how, that uh, deputy that pulls me over, I don't say, what are you aggravating me for? You're begging for it, doc. I say to him, yes, sir. I am under that man's authority when I'm on that road. God ordained that authority. Now, I'm the pastor of this church. We have a school in this church. When I go over to that school, Kevin Bowman's in authority over me on that property. Dr. Bowman is in authority over me over that property. We have got to come back to understanding authority and get under authority. Uh, why? Listen, 1 Corinthians 11.10. Get under authority because of the angels. And he's not talking about the good ones there either. Demons, I'm going to put it to the language you can understand. 
Demon spirits have a right to attack anything that's not under God-ordained authority. A child that tells their mama to screw herself and hateful toward her, you're asking for it. A woman that bows up and criticizes and fusses against her husband, you're going to find out. Listen to me. I don't care what the culture does. I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus. And when you get under authority, then you get the great stuff, the big stuff. That's why I look for people to be under the authority of. I want to figure out in this room who's in charge here so I can honor them and respect them. And y'all acting like you ain't never read the Bible before. We got to read or digest. What's going on here? All right. That, well, we didn't have no fun there either, did we? Since we're having so much fun, can I do one more on this little stuff? All right, you ready? You look ready to me. As you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. Honor, honor all people. Guess what the Greek word for all is? That's, that's the waitress. That's the girl behind the cash register. That's the person that disagrees with you politically. No, and I mean, I mean from California. That's the filthy, wicked pervert that turns your stomach. Honor all people. You don't have to agree with what they do. But we're to honor every person as though they were the Lord Jesus because as you've treated them, you've treated me. We've lost honor in this nation. We don't even treat people in the church right amongst each other. Let me tell you something. Every people are not valuable because they've got money. People are not valuable because they're well-educated. People are valuable because they are created in the image of God and they belong to him. There's children. And he's watching the way I, listen, if, if I want to do great in my ministry, guess what he's watching? How I talk to that woman I live with at home. Thank you, pastor. Nobody else will I'll cheer for you. He's watching how I treat the clerk in the belt store. Belts is where old people go to buy their clothes. Everyone's it, it, are you not getting it yet? He who is faithful in the little things is going to be blessed with the bit. Listen, he's not going to punish you because you miss it. But you, I, my friend is not going to let his daughter manage that company until she's able. If he can trust her to sweep the floor well, he can trust her to run the place. This is where promotion comes from. <clears throat> Excellence brings promotion. All right. Now, let me answer a question that folks have asked me about this before. So Brother Brian, I know people that are evil, they're liars, they're cheaters, they're cheating on their wives and they've been blessed beyond measure. Bingo. You keep forgetting something. There's two gods in this planet. And both of those gods bless people. I don't want that other God's blessing. <clears throat> if you want to look this up sometime, Luke chapter four, verses five and six, Satan said this, I own this world and I give the stuff of this world to whoever I want to. So that tells me that Satan blesses people. And listen to what he said. Bow down and worship me and I'll give it to you. Well, you can get everything he's got to offer. You can get everything this world's got to offer. Do you think Madonna got what she got from the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, the material girl's getting like me. She's getting some miles on her. She needs to be making a decision because she's fixing to stand in front of somebody. Here's the deal. Satan will make you rich. He'll cause people to follow you. He'll give you political office. He'll raise you up. But what's the deal? You have to sign your soul away. Yeah. 
not worth it. Bow down and worship me. I'll give you everything this world's got. So that point, I just wanted to say there's two gods on this planet and both of them bless people. One of them comes to a screeching halt one day when the waterfall goes over. The other one gets better when you go up. We want the blessing of God. The Bible said this, do not be envious of the wicked. If you knew their end, you'd feel sorry for them. All right. Now he promotes by this. All right, let me, I'm going to, let me wind up by saying this. I want to look back and I'll just quote it to you. Luke chapter 16, verse 11 said this. If you can't manage the little things I give you, how can I give you true riches? True riches. I want true riches. Do you know what true riches are? Let me, let me tell you what true riches are. I'll give you for instance. I get up in the mornings and I piddle around and as soon as the sun starts coming up, I love to go sit out on my front porch for just three or four minutes. And I go out there and I sat down. And I join in the worship service that's already in progress. There's a worship service in my front yard because we live way, way out there. Woods on each side, woods behind, pasture out front. And there's, I got songbirds and they're singing and praising God and it's beautiful. And I just get out there and I just, I just start worshiping with them and thank you, I'm alive today. I'm healthy. I got a woman that loves me. Got this beautiful place you gave me. I got a Bible so I know what to do. Thank you. And my heart just fills with the joy of the Lord. One day last week, I, got, I was out there. I was praising God, the songbirds. And uh, to my left, in the woods to my left, an old hoot owl joined in and started singing bass. Hoot, <laughs> hoot, singing bass. To my right, Canadian geese are flying over and they're singing tenor. A woodpecker jumped on a tree and started doing percussion. And with my hand in there, a turkey in the woods behind me joined in and started singing soprano. <laughs> All that at one time. I'm out there praying, just having the greatest time and I'm thinking, I am the world's most blessed man. I right, listen to me. Multimillionaire businessman, a movie star, somebody, they wake up in the morning, they feel like crap. Back to the health thing, they feel like crap. They got problems on their minds, they run into the day, they're busy, they're mad already. Who's got true wealth? Peace of mind cannot be bought. Contentment cannot be bought. It comes from heaven. A happy heart cannot be bought. God gives joy to those who love him. I'm going to give you some choices right here. Tell me which one is true wealth. To have a million dollars in the bank or have your children love you and respect you and adore you, which is true wealth? Who gives true wealth? How do you get true wealth? Wash your car. <laughs> All right, which is true wealth? I'm gonna stick with money for a little bit. Which is true wealth? Have a million dollars in the bank or have a great marriage that brings you great joy and a wife that adores you? Which is true wealth or husband? Which is true wealth? Which is true wealth to have a million dollars or the health to get up and enjoy it? Goodbye pie. <laughs> Which is true wealth? To have a thousand friends on Facebook or one true friend you can call anytime and you know they'll be there. This is called true riches. We don't, we don't want the junk. I want true wealth. I want the true, you know how you get true riches? Be faithful in the little things. Do, be excellent in the little things you do. Get to work early. Is there not one boss in this place? 
Don't quit till quitting time. Just because your fanny's on the property don't mean you're working. Can I get a witness? Listen to me. Little things mean a lot. Well, one more. Which is true wealth? Watching movie, dumb movie after dumb movie after dumb movie or ministering to people and seeing people's lives change because you're on the planet. Listen, our goal was never cheeseburgers and movies. Our goal is the big stuff. He gives the big stuff to those who are faithful in the little things. This thing about faith is to, every day I get up and I'm just looking for the little things I can do well. What can I do well? How can I help them? Doing these little things excellent. Knowing, knowing God's going to do something for me. He who comes to him must believe he is a rewarder. All right, you say, well, that sounds selfish to me. I don't care what you think it sounds like. It sounds like Hebrews chapter 11, verse six to me. And a lot of religious people don't like this. Take it up with the man who wrote it. I'm telling you, he's looking for somebody to leave his company to. He's looking for somebody to give great wealth to. But dear ones, he, when my t- son turned 16, he was unusually mature. He turned 16, I threw him the keys to a truck and said, go enjoy yourself. You know why? So he's 16. No, that's stupid. If you do it because they're 16, that's dumb. I did it because I knew he could handle it. If I knew he was going to be drinking and raising hell, I wanted to give it to him, but only a fool would give the keys to somebody who's going to go get drunk. Do I understand what I'm saying here? Your responsibility level brings you to blessing. Ha. All right. I don't know if you've ever, I'm going to paint you a picture and then I'm going to quit. I'm going to tell you a story you've heard all your life. I bet you missed the main point. You've heard this story all your life, but I bet you've never heard the main point of it. You ever heard of a guy named King David? What do you know about that man? He is the man after God's own heart. There's something about this guy that God liked. And God blessed this man. I think he blessed this man more than any man in world history. He was a nobody. His own father said, you'll never amount to nothing. God made him the greatest king that ever lived, greatest ruler that ever lived, made him the greatest military commander that ever lived, and he's the greatest musician that ever lived. When Jesus comes back to the earth, guess where he's coming to? The city of David. The name of his throne is going to be the throne of David. Get it? That God likes this guy for some reason. Is it because he was perfect? No. The man stole somebody else's wife and killed the man. The man made a lot of mistakes. Get off the perfection stuff. You know what God loved about this man? He believed God would reward him. A lot of people don't remember. I'm going to tell you a story. I bet you've never heard the main point of it. You ever heard of David and Goliath? What's the main point of that story? You missed it. All right. Israel is a country that still exists today. They were in battle array with a country called Philistia. They were set in battle array against each other on two hills. This is crazy. We don't do it this way. But back then, they sent their best fighter. You sent your best fighter. They fought. The one that got killed, game over. I think that's pretty dumb because I I think three of my bad boys could beat one of your big guys, but that's how they did it back then. So their, their champion was a man named Goliath. You remember this? There's not a human being alive as big as he was. Nine feet tall. His armor weighed 200 pounds. His spear of his, a shaft spear of his shaft, shaft spear, spear shaft. You don't have to be perfect yet to be faithful. Spear shaft was the size of a fence post. Every day he came out and cursed God and cursed them and said, send somebody over here. And Israel was terrified they wouldn't come. 40 days he did that. All right, David's dad says, here, I got a donkey loaded with food, cheese, raisins, 
bread, take it to your brothers. They were in the army. David gets on his donkey or horse, whatever it was. He takes it there. And about the time he comes trotting, sort of reminds me of Shrek, of the donkey on Shrek. He comes trotting up. <laughs> he comes trotting up. And all of a sudden, it's about the time this guy named Goliath comes out and curses God and defies him. And all Israel just stares at him. And David standing, hears this. Goliath turns around, walks back. And David said, I may be caught this. David said, what shall be given to the man who whoops him? He didn't... Listen, no, no, I'm sorry. Let me quote it right. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would curse my God? He's mad about what he said about God. And then he said to the man, what shall be given to the man who whoops him or defeats him? And the guy said, all right. The king said, he'll make you rich. He'll give you his daughter and your family never pay taxes in Israel again. David turned, he said to another man, what did he say will be given to the man who whoops him? Go read it. And he told him, uh, you get the money, you get the check, no taxes. <laughs> About that time, his older brother sees him and he says, you insolent brat, who are, with whom are those few sheep in the wilderness? And David said, what is it now? Let you know they had a little history of this. A third time, David went to another soldier. He said, hey, what does the guy get who whoops him? He said, you know, you get the, get the money, you get the check, you get the, the daughter, you get the no taxes. David said, I will fight him. David fought Goliath for two reasons. Number one, you ain't talking about my God like that. He fought Goliath because he loved God. He fought Goliath because there was a reward for fighting Goliath. Yep. This is the man after God's own heart, dear ones. You didn't see this in the story. He goes to the king. He said, I will fight him. King's exact words were, you are not able. Look right here. Do not listen to the experts. Finally, the king said, all right, fine, but you're going to need all my armor. David said, I can't use this junk. Look right here. You don't need what the experts say you need. He said, I'll take my slingshot. All right. David takes a sling, sling actually, not a slingshot, a sling. He goes out there the, and he walks out there and the giant says, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? He said, I will. And he talked about what he's going to do to David. And David, David was redneck. <laughs> I know you get tired of me saying that. Moses was, Simon was. I'm going to prove to you David was redneck. When he said that, David said, I, you come to me with a sling and a stone. I come to you in the name of the living God. I will kill you and I will cut your head off and the birds will eat you. That's redneck. <laughs> and the Bible said that David charged him, took that sling. Now listen, listen, a lot of people think he killed Goliath with a sling. He did not. He knocked him out with the sling. He, he threw that rock. And what you can't see, if you go back and watch it in slow motion, an angel grabbed that rock and there's a little slot right there in your arm, he put that thing right there. And it knocked, it didn't kill him, it knocked him out. David ran over to him, took his own sword out and hacked his head off. That's redneck. He didn't just stab him, he hacked till the head was all the way off. Now let me tell you why he's redneck. <laughs> the Bible said David took his head home with him and hung it up in his tent. That's what rednecks do, they kill something and they hang it on the wall, putting the head on the wall. He's just a teenage boy. I bet the head weighed 60 pounds. He drugged the sucker home, hung it up in his house. Then what did the Bible say to He went to the king and he said, I have killed him. Where's my money? Where's the girl? And I need a receipt for no taxes. <laughs> Y'all didn't read this. Now, let me add this. He should not have taken the chick. 
She got him in trouble later on. He should have known better than to take a daughter, a woman named Mike. That's what got him in trouble. <laughs> but listen, listen, why is this a man after God's own heart? Because he believed God. I will do this because I love God and I believe God's going to do something big for me for doing this. That's called, he's a rewarder of those who honor him. When I mow the grass and keep it neat, my son mowed grass for the city of Mebane before he went off to college. I don't even let him mow my grass. He can't do it right. I'm the only one who can do it perfect. When I wash my stuff and I keep my stuff neat and clean and I lay everything exactly in the order it's supposed to be in, how'd you like to be married to a neurotic? And everything's where it's supposed to be and it's neat and clean. I'm not doing that because I'm a perfectionist, although I pitifully am. I'm doing that because I know this, God honors excellence. He's going to reward me. I'm going to do it because I love God, but I know he's going to bless me. You know what this is called? Living by faith. Believing he's going to bless me. He has blessed me. He's blessed me tremendously. And I'm looking forward. You say, well, you old, you got it all. Oh no, he's got more. He's got more. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you for your kindness, your greatness, and your mercy. I, I want to thank you. You've blessed me beyond measure with true joy. I've got the greatest relationships. I'm not going to go through the list right now. They don't want to hear it. But I praise you and thank you that the greatest gift you ever gave me was you. Not, not uh, theological you, real you. The presence of God is the greatest treasure of my life. I thank you for the joy of your spirit, the peace that you give, the love that you put in my heart from you, the contentment, the hope, the encouragement that you give. You are the true rich. You're the true treasure that everybody seeks for. And I just praise you and thank you for this simple truth in scripture that we can live looking for the reward of God, knowing if I wash my car, he'll see that. If I'll be on time for work, he'll bless that. If I will be quiet when I'm angry and speak to people graciously, my father's looking for that so he can do something good for me. I just praise you and thank you. Thank you that you're not the wizard of Oz. You're not going to be mad if I don't do something. You're looking for somebody to give the whole company to. Dear Jesus, I want to be like David. Might as well be me. Thank you for your goodness. I give you all the praise and glory. We love you with all of our hearts because you first loved us. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.